0: two,
1: one. I'm Michael Scavola. This is Inside Prison Walls, where we take a look at issues Kansas prisons face and get first-hand accounts of what prison life is like. Produced by the Hutchinson News. From a corrections officer to a warden, Robert Hannigan had an action-packed career with the Kansas Department of Corrections. Hannigan shared some of the stories in his book, A 40-Year Journey in Corrections. It was 1959 when the 22-year-old started as a corrections officer at Hutchinson Correctional Facility, then known as the Kansas State Industrial Reformatory. Despite a first-night hazing where inmates threw soap at him and shouted profanities, the former Marine endured. I knew it was going to get better, and I wasn't going to let him
0: run me off. I guess I'm just kind of a stubborn guy. As part of the Marine Corps training, you don't, you don't back down
1: Oh. It was still early in his career when Hannigan helped save the life of an inmate trying to commit suicide. The man tried to jump from the top level of the Hutchinson cell house, which at the time was four floors. Hannigan knew the man was in for second-degree murder. The man used a shotgun to kill his girlfriend's male friend, but that didn't matter. Part of Hannigan's job was to keep the inmates safe. I was close enough to him that I grabbed him when he,
0: started, when he went over. And I called for help, and there was inmates in the other cells, which was open. They came out and helped me pull him back up on the run.
1: The man was later released from prison and impregnated a girl who Hannigan thought was 13 at the time. To cover up the crime with a minor, the man
0: killed the teenager. So had I just let him go on down with the ground, to the floor, two people would have been been alive.
1: The events that led up to the 1969 riot at Lansing had to be Hannigan's most chilling story. Hannigan was in an administrative position with the KDOC when rumor reached his office about an inmate with a gun. And the director cracks it and said, well, we're going to go up and search the prison
0: and we're going to find that gun. So he brought officers in from all across the state. We went up
1: there and uh, shook that place down. And what we saw was unbelievable. Hannigan said in the cell house he shook down, they found three knives longer than five-gallon buckets, and under each mattress was a box of pills. The prison officers controlled the outside, but the place was managed by gangsters. After they cleared the cell houses, Hannigan left and headed for home. By the time he got there, there was a message waiting for him to turn around because there was a riot at the prison. We went up there. By the time we got up there, the place was on fire. Part of
0: it was burning. They'd, They'd taken over the whole thing. Well so we uh, spent the next couple of weeks building a compound outside the prison with a chain link fence.
1: And we bought some mod- modular housing in to put the inmates in. The inmates were quick to burn one of the homes and use panel from the other to try and dig an escape tunnel. We had them out there for about two
0: weeks while we got the locking system back and running so we could put them back inside. And we had a platform above the fence where the officers were standing up with a shotgun. And these inmates were down below there. It had been raining for days and muddy. His inmates were down below taunting him. So he just blasted off his shotgun right in the dirt, in the mud. And mud blew up. He hit this one guy in the chest. He said, oh, I've been hit.
1: And he fell on the ground. He thought he'd been shot in the chest. Then KDOC director Charles McAtee grabbed a megaphone.
0: Who discharged that round? Who discharged that round? Well, forever after, this guy was known as Shotgun Brown.
1: He'd already been elevated in in stature. He was known as Shotgun Brown. Soon after, McAtee, who oversaw the hanging of the men responsible for the murders that led to Truman Capote's book In Cold Blood, was relieved from his position. And a man named Robert Woodson was hired as his successor. They brought in another guy who had no experience in corrections,
0: but he'd been a former sheriff. And he had a meeting in his office one day with me and another fellow. We were the only two people in the central office that had ever worked in corrections. He had a meeting and said, I'm going to put the word out at Lansing that I will transfer to a minimum security facility any inmate that turns in a gun. And I and the other guy named Wayne said, please don't do it.
1: They'll bring guns in to give to you to get out. He didn't listen, and a man named Charles Hatcher came forward with a gun. At the time, Hannigan was in charge of the honor camp in order to take Hatcher to the camp. At first, he refused. I suppose maybe I'd stalled about three months. And finally, and this
0: guy named John came back again, he said. He said, you got an order to take him. I said, well, you tell Mr. Woodson. that I, I want him to personally order me to take him. So Woodson had followed him down to my office. And he said, the only thing he said, I'm going to put him right in writing is your goddamn termination papers if you don't take him. So I took him
1: and two weeks later, he escaped. For the next decade plus, the man went across the country molesting and killing mostly young boys. A man was even imprisoned for four years for one of the murders committed by Hatcher. Hatcher was eventually arrested in 1982 for the murder of 11-year-old Michelle Steele. While awaiting trial, he confessed to 15 other child murders. In 1984, Hatcher hanged himself in the Missouri State Penitentiary. One bad decision by someone that... Uh... I should have never have made that decision.
0: So that's probably the worst thing that that happened during my career.
1: Hannigan also told a story about a man named Spoon whose nickname came from the time he used a spoon to remove concrete from the brick at an Oklahoma jail to escape. And he carried uh, a clipping from the newspaper that Spoon spoons his way out of another jail. Spoon also boasted about a gunshot wound from run-ins with police. He added another escape to his list after a movie was played on a Saturday night at the auditorium in Hutchinson. And spoon and another man snuck in a solid bar in a wool blanket. After the movie,
0: when everybody else had gone down, they were still there. They used the the blanket and that iron bar to spread the
1: bars far enough that they could, could get through the bars, down their makeshift rope, and escape. They used a Native American tracker and eventually found the men in Arizona. Spoon shot the tracker, but the man was not seriously injured, and Spoon was back in prison. And they had horseback officers out there. Well, Spoon overpowered an officer driving their truck, tried to drive the truck
0: through the gate. And the officer on horseback rode up and plugged him, and that was the end of Spoon.
1: But there were also
0: funny moments. All the officers had phones, and the staff were supposed to lock their phones up. But I had this one inmate that, I don't know how he did it, but he managed to get on that phone a lot. we catch him,
1: we put him in segregation, we'd well, let him out sometime so he could go right back and find at the telephone. But the last words he would say on each call, his sign-off, if you would, ended up being his demise. One day, the Hutch prison got a call from a dispatcher about a bomb threat to a school in Missouri. It said that they had, he had put a bomb... Under eight school buses, when they was talking to the dispatcher
0: that took the call, they said that he, he didn't by any chance ask you what color your underwear was. Well, so come to think of it, that's the last thing he asked me. From that point on, I think it's about
1: 10 minutes to wreck this guy up. Hannigan remembered the time an inmate asked for insecticide to keep the bugs off. Hannigan didn't know what the man was talking about. I was making my
0: my rounds, and there this guy just laid completely naked on his bed, covered with uh, some white stuff. And I said to him, I said, Johnson, I said, said, what what do you got on? He said, said, I put on some insecticide that you said that you didn't have. So I didn't say more, I just went on. Went down front, and these two death boys had these two inmates that worked for me. They were laughing their heads off. So I said to him, I said, what did you jokers do to Johnson? He said, well, he came down wanting some insecticide. He said, we give it to him. And uh, what we had at that time, they'd take this uh, bars of soap. You know, it was small bars that was left over in the showers or wherever. And they'd pulverize that stuff and liquefy it. And they'd put it in a gallon jar, and they used it for, for soap. It wasn't very good for soap, but it's what they used. Pretty slick. That's what he wanted. So he took that soap and just wiped himself completely down. First then I made my round. I waited a while and went back around. and But this time, yes, it was caked on him. I said to him, I said, uh, Johnson, I said, how's the insecticide working? He said, well, it's keeping the bugs off. He said, But just like hell. <laughs> so later on, I sent the two inmates up there to uh, tell him to come down and take a shower and work that stuff off. I suspected that something was going on, so I uh, went outside around the cell house. In those days, I climbed up the wall and looked in the windows, and here these guys were huffing away. So I come back down, and you would have them to stand up and have them to breathe in your face, and you could smell this glue. And uh, they knew they were going to go to segregation for it. So I'd smelled five of them, and I had them all lined up to go to segregation. I smelled another guy, and of course my senses had gone dead. I couldn't smell anything on him. So I said, you can sit back down. So he sat back down. I said, okay, let's go, guys. Well, he jumped up and said, you sons of bitches, aren't going to go to the dance without me. I said, okay, you can join us. (laughs) So I I took these guys over. They were really high. They were having one huge big time, put them in their cells. And they were still in their hooping and hollering, having a big time. They really thought they were at a dance, I guess. I would imagine the next morning their tongue was about about an inch and a half thick, and they probably had one big headache.
1: Hannigan also told a story about a man who wrote a letter stating that the devil visited him and told him he needed to kill an officer to prove his allegiance. The letter prompted Hannigan to put the man in segregation, but the letters didn't stop. The second letter said the devil visited his cell again, but this time told him he only needed to scold an officer. And then a third letter. This time the devil said all he needed to do was burn his Bible to show his allegiance. Hannigan said in the letter were burnt pieces of the Bible. Lo and behold, a year later, the inmate was being led out to the pond out in front of the prison for a baptism to show his conversion to Christianity. Hannigan did not want to publicize the name of the inmates in the stories. In most cases, they are given aliases in his book. The KDOC denied an interview with Dan Schnur, the warden at Hutchinson Correctional Facility, and interim director at El Dorado Correctional Facility. Thanks for listening to Inside Prison Walls, a production of the Hutchinson News. We'll visit more insiders, so come back for more episodes. Learn more at HutchNews.com and follow Hutchinson News on Facebook and on Twitter.